Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the ARC Audio Review, which like the name implies is the audio version of the ARC Review, which in turn is the digital written expansion of ARC books, where conversation about culture, literature and ideas is daily occurrence. I am your host, Smarra Pnallsson. Before we get going, here's a quick announcement, not from our sponsors, but from us. We don't have any sponsors. Yet. The third and final Lucenera this summer is taking place on Mölliga on September 1st. Arkbooks, Mölliga's Bohandel and Literaturhaus, in cooperation with Reverse Poetry Festival, if I'm not mistaken, invite you all to the best street party there is. Come for the readings and stay for the boogie. Lucenera, September 1st on Mölliga. This month's theme is leisure. How fitting, seeing that I'm currently lounging around on the beach of a desert island, rereading High Fidelity for the umpteenth time, and sipping a nice mojito. Yes, I said mojito. That's what we're calling mojitos now. Hashtag make mojito happen. Well, I figured since I'm supposedly on holiday that I should just make other people work for me so I could just keep on keeping on relaxing. But don't worry, I've still got something good in store for you. At the end of the show, Oscar Dempsey, who performed on the first Lusanera in June, will read us a story. Oh, the perfection of leisure. Not even having to use your eyes. Ultimate passivity. Just let it in. Let other people do the hard work. But first, we enter the back room of Arc Books, where Macon Holt and Franek Kurbanski discuss leisure. What it means to us today, what it meant to ancient Greeks, what Adorno and Arendt had to say about it, what Macon and Franek had to say about it. Each of them wrote a piece for the Arc Review, and you can find them on arcbooks.dk. I was supposed to interview them, but I'm not there, so I just had two of them speak. Way easier for me. Here we go. I think, I think Snorri's commitment to leisure far exceeds the normal person because the day after the last Lucinetta, I was talking to my brother and he said at the end of the evening he could see the place needed to be packed down and he went to Snorri I don't want to help. I just want to continue smoking and drinking. And Snorri immediately let him know that he would be of service to him. He took my brother to the back of the shop, stuck three cigarettes in his in his breast pocket, poured him a glass of red wine, set a box of wine next to him, and glasses in case friends should come by. And so I I I, I can see why he um wants to outsource things. He's just all about <laughs> the perfection of leather, this man. Leather? <laughs> leather. No, uh, leather. <laughs> leisure, yes. That's the word you're looking for. Uh, maybe he's uh, also about the perfection of leather. <laughs> he's tanning. Who would yeah. know? We, we could ask him if he was here, but he's, he's not. <laughs> uh, uh, he left us with this message on the chat. Uh, 
and I will just begin by reading the message. Good. It says, uh, yo, some points to maybe hit in the discussion. Otherwise, just go wild. Uh, some points. <laughs> like a poem. <laughs> of sorts, yeah. Uh, some points. Adorno. Uh, leisure today is the thing which makes us able to keep on uh, to keep on working and uh, leisure in the past became possible when we had freed ourselves from labor and work yeah so so he's referring to the two pieces we wrote last month i guess um whereas i, I wrote a thing about what a cultural theorist is and using adorno's um, critiques of leisure pursuits and uh, the notion of hobbies and you wrote a piece of uh, on uh, Hannah Arendt and how you um, invert the concept of leisure to actually be the point where all that we think of as politics <laughs> is possible because of yeah. leisure yeah that yeah that's that's true and I guess that's uh, that's the two reference points he he further instructs us yeah. to uh uh, to discuss tension between the two understandings yeah. of leisure, old versus modern. Dis yeah. Discuss. But I don't think, but these are some, these are like contemporaries though, which is also interesting because the Arendt stuff is coming out of a more direct reading of um, ancient Greek thought. And the Adorno is coming out of a reading of Marx and perhaps a little bit of Freud at the time. So, but they're both... They're, they're contemporaries of one another but there is this difference there's this key difference and i think there is this and i guess it's a historical question in some ways isn't it is, is it like because uh, i think it's a uh, first of all is the clearest uh, illustration that uh, as many theorists and as many thinkers that that many interpretations and answers to questions and uh, also that many meaning of words and of course, yeah, you point out to uh, roots of uh, Arendtian thought. It's uh, uh, like the, one of the most significant one for for the human condition is probably uh, Aristotle. And this is where she finds the the whole ancient reading of leisure. Mm -hmm. So one thing to keep in mind is, is is she does not recommend to understand leisure nowadays in those terms. Right, that's, that's not her. Point. Okay, good. Uh, I don't think that would be something she would uh, she would like us to do. Uh, but yes, uh, the, the way leisure uh, is understood by ancient Greeks is is diametrically opposed to to how we understand it. For us, leisure is uh, free time and holidays and doing nothing and pastime and hobbies, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas for ancient Greeks, is a state or. A, condition which uh, allows them to free themselves from uh, the necessities of life mm -hmm. the, the, the labor yep. the, the survival one can say uh, and abstain also from uh, political activity and devote oneself to a learned discussion mm. uh, and contemplation so hence scholar the, the term for it and hence our school <laughs> today today yeah. yeah and I guess that's maybe then the the key difference is that the discussion that she's bringing up at the ancient Greek perspective is is a understanding of leisure as opposed to those activities that are necessary for your continued survival. 
in a way, yes. Like those are the prerequisites, I would say, because in her model or on her model, once you free yourself from those, uh, I mean, once you free yourself from labor, which res- corresponds mm. to this point, you have a chance to become uh, the one involved with work, but you also refrain from this. You don't want to produce objects. Uh, and then you then you attain a moment when you can devote yourself to political action and attain freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Arendt's account of uh, politics is, is is basically expressed in this idea that this is the the highest expression of human capacities of of getting involved in a in an action together with people who are together with you uh, and your equals. But then you have another twist in the system, and <laughs> you can also reject. This, this way of living, and then you can devote yourself to what she labels uh, vita contemplativa. Mm. Which, and that's the philosopher's that's life. The, that's the philosopher's life. Yeah. Uh, she's not a philosopher, though. She, she really didn't like the label. <laughs> what does she consider herself? Uh, political theorist or political thinker, yeah. I think, yeah. is, is her words. Yeah. I, don't uh, know. Yeah. I don't know what... She holds a grudge, uh, I guess, to a philosophers, because they... They did not uh, prioritize the politics and action as the highest uh, as the highest goal. Ah, okay. So right. uh, she's very much opposed to them. Mm. Uh, it has this weird artificiality, doesn't it? This kind of this kind of divergence thing of like that thought is not action that it must not be ever. They can't blur into one another. Mm, artificiality. Well, maybe from I think uh, from our point of you maybe but uh, the, the distinctions she draws are very rigid mm. uh, the ones which which she she takes upon herself to describe uh and in in, in that world mm. uh the, this distinction was like, it seems like based on what she says like they seem to be very diametrically opposed yeah yeah uh conditioned by completely different circumstances and one of them is uh uh, possible in in solitude. The other one requires other people to engage with you collectively. But I have a certain weird feeling that uh, this does not lead us to leisure. Um, yeah, I mean, well, it's just like uh, yeah, the different circumstances, I guess. Because we we're talking about like like so, she's interested in this like this kind of root of society. This is a thing we call society, which is she's rooting in ancient Greek thought. And I think Adorno would do the same kind of maneuver. He's but he's very critical of Aristotle, and that's the, that's the whole different thing. You're the Adorno yeah. guy. I'm not. Right, so. I'm not going to go into that. It's like it's going to be far too. But yeah, but far uh, too boring. That might come up later. Anyway, but okay. right now, is there interesting bits in Adorno? There's interesting bits. It's just that he's just hidden them in his writing. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but the, the the distinction is that he's trying to give an account of the contemporary situation in his yeah. in his work, yeah. um, which of course is the six is the sixties. <laughs> he's writing this at the time, um, at that time, um, and the situation he's describing is a world in which labor is enacted, but it is not necessary for survival. It is necessary for survival in that you need the money, but it's not necessary in terms of the production of the materials for the reproduction of your life. It's necessary mm. to access them. Then there's this weird thing of like this imposition of a morality onto onto the activities of work and, and, and labor, which he's not distinguishing in the same way that mm-hmm. um, Arendt is doing, which is problematic. But he, yeah, so this what I really like about this essay, this free time essay that he wrote, 
which I refer to, is his <laughs> denouncement of the concept of hobbies. Yeah, I yeah. think that that could come across as an interesting bit. In yeah, and I think there's also a kind of a point where he's in, in agreement with uh, with Arendt in some ways, isn't it? Like uh, that there's like the 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 activities are not to be externally justified by by a, a kind of arbitrary meter. Mm. So he's saying. So w- when someone says to him, "Do you have any uh, hobbies, Mister Adorno?" And he replies, I have no hobbies. I take everything I do deadly seriously. It's like, oh, oh no, someone's, someone's got Teddy going again. Um, but, but, but I think it's quite a vital point. Like, it's almost like a very diminishing term to, to refer to things that you aren't doing to get the tokens with which you're allowed to continue living. Mm. But uh, remember that uh, nowadays you need hobbies on your CV yes, to get... Yes. To yeah. get uh, Mm. well-paid job well, well this is the whole thing because then he talks about how it's uh becomes like a, a moment to uh to to signal as well it's not just yeah i think uh nothing uh nothing remains innocent nowadays right like everything <laughs> finds it finds it well justified place in the in the whole system uh-huh. uh uh it's a, yeah, it's a similar point that you find in like a, in a in british now this is an awful american psycho where he's um the way in which he talks about musicians is as if to have the most correct and informed opinion about pop music mm. that you'll ever ever will have read. So, like his his analysis of um, the band uh, Huey Lewis and the News is hilarious as he goes through like the kind of commercial potentials mm. of each album and what was lacking and why it was like just kind of too countercultural. But when they really hit the mainstream <laughs> groove, but with just just enough enough nuances to move it on. That's when they really got the got the, the and so yeah so it's an idea which I think is quite widespread although that's going to be a satirical format but yeah that your hobbies are yeah they are on your CV as you say they are they make you seem a well-rounded person mm. <laughs> but I'm I'm I also I wonder today uh, how qualified I am to talk about those distinctions which seem to hold for the most of the society but somehow strangely do not seem to apply (laughs) to me Mm. because i work in a non-profit volunteer run bookstore i make no money out of it yeah and then in my free time yeah i go and make money somewhere else that way that way you're yeah you're you're almost (laughs) you're almost more ancient greek in some way so uh what would be yeah what would be arentian or uh, adornos to well, take on that, uh, like, isn't the rent thing that the uh, that the that your works are being developed in the bookshop and your labor is being done at the <laughs> restaurant? That could be. Yeah, we could. Uh, <laughs> should we leave this at, uh, at that and maybe? Uh, oh yeah, what, what else does Snorri says? We have Snorri, to do. Yes, because yeah. otherwise he's going to be unhappy. Yeah, stretching out on that beach. The, should I? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is a this is a length. Oh, this is a lengthy one. Right. Okay. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. Still. Oh no, this, sorry, there is a short one just before. Uh, I'm going to read it now. Uh, are leisure and entertainment inextricably linked? No. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just, just no, isn't it? Like, just... I've ended up linking them together because I've been very blurry with my concepts in that piece of writing. Mm. Um, it is interesting, though, to think about using your leisure time just for the purposes of entertaining yourself or diverting yourself. Hmm. Um, 
that does not fit entirely with your with the bookshop <laughs> scenario. Yeah. But I think uh, the way you used the entertainment in 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 your text uh, let me let me try to try to find I know I've I've seen it somewhere entertainment yeah you were describing uh, yourself right as a as a cultural criticism and I say I write about the experience of something that is considered part of the entertainment industry as a subset of leisure industry as a subset of the culture industry uh so i guess like the way you talk about entertainment is way more institutionalized and those are old terms which yeah. come in the theory yeah. uh, like uh, the the whole concept of industries of different sorts and levels yeah in that in that you can use these relationships between these different levels as a context um it's not that it's not that it's inherent it's not the only it's like it's i don't i'm very much anti-essentialist in my talking about any of these things which is where i diverge wildly from adorno even though i think he would also claim to be this but i don't think he's managed it um it can be both simultaneously within a system because that system is external to you and you're also kind of implicated in it but at the same time this is also the the thing that the the, the one conclusion that adorno comes to in, in terms of his terribly pessimistic worldview is we still have the freedom to think and imagine um an outside to this oppressive system and that is the revolutionary act to be engaged in yeah because i think a snotty's question despite its uh, seeming uh, simplicity and and innocence is a <laughs> has a very different meaning uh, in the times where actually we can talk about all those industries so those organized ways of uh, providing those mm. goods mm. services yeah. uh, So suddenly it's it's not just about what uh, you or me would consider entertainment or leisure on like yeah. a very personal level but this question has a very different ring nowadays when basically it seems everything which we are feeded is is a part of a of a bigger machine. It's the thing is it's never been like a properly top down organization even though it's kind of been presented that way and that's a really problematic presentation of things because it's it's only that only appears that way because of the way that people will spend money mm. and then larger conglomerates but then it's also now become so much more diffuse with the way that the internet operates but at the same time also more centralized so you have seemingly more and more outlets through which to be entertained but at the same time they are the 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 pathways are more restricted that you have a few companies that control access to the internet you have a few companies that um control uh large media conglomerates but they seem they seem to be so diversified because of the way they now look at consumers but um that is still not the same as the personal experience and reception of the thing like it's not c- contained in your experience of the thing could be the larger systemic um institutional structures but not necessarily It's a remark that Adorno has similarly put forth in other other in his thing in the culture industry, the actual essay, the culture industry with uh, Horkheimer, where he talks about basically the productions of it are a spectacular thing that um, just fills the minds of men because it's an old text with the wonders of industrial production and the potential and power of it. Mm. Um, when you look at a giant blockbuster movie, you see in it. <clears throat> literally like the surplus of the society you yeah. see stuff that is not necessary for the reproduction of life 
Mm, yeah, it strikes me as something which is which is not untrue, but probably not mm. like just true no, and fully no, true. No. But so yeah, it I think it's a, it's a truth. It, I think <laughs> it, it's it's a good point, uh, though I don't think it exhausts. Uh, maybe uh, I mean it does not exhaust the whole uh, uh, the whole thing which it tries to describe because arguably from different angles and from like different theoretical yeah. Uh, standpoint yeah. you could probably interpret those things like completely differently as well but yeah uh, I hope Snorri <laughs> who's uh, now on holidays <clears throat> will be happy with this answer <laughs> uh, anyway Snorri's got enough to edit with this I'm sure on his desert island yeah but like should we have like just like some final remarks or yeah. like something to, to, to wrap it up yeah. I mean what, what I that? was more expecting us to be just <laughs> Leisure, leisurable <laughs> is yeah. that the English word? Yeah. Um, le- 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 Leisureating le- or le- le- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere like more in the registers of leisure, mm. uh, we ended up trying to be probably too smart for our own good. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it gets uh, cut together, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what's what comes out of it. But yeah, yeah but it was uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how completely. Uh, like yeah. two different uh, yeah. two different frameworks work towards mm-hmm. like I think the thing which I think we would yeah, we need to maybe bring up is that there's a there is a certain problem in talking about leisure as such mm. that you often are projecting onto other onto others and maybe and that's is, definitely a Dornish problem. Isn't it uh, a more of a universal problem? Yeah. Leisure yeah. being just a very specific example <laughs> of something which... Uh, I know, but it's also, it's like leisure so close to the identity of who you are. If you don't like your job, you like who you are in your free time. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, this is this is a fair point. Yeah. yeah. And that's the danger when you talk about these things. One of them. Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, greetings huh. to Snorri. Yes, happy holidays, Snorri. Uh, enjoy In- while we labor here. Uh, thank, yeah. thank you. But, but no, I think you should um, uh, you should tell me more about that thing that you're planning for February. Oh yeah. Uh, well, let's. Uh, okay. Let's yeah. get to this. Well, greetings to you two guys. I have no idea what's going on in February, but I guess we'll all find out later or something. It looks like Friday is having some trouble with the Magidos. I gotta go. Here's uh, Oscar Dempsey. This is a short story called Nervous Pickings. This ball in my socket, so small I can bite, swivels in liquid rotation. I cringe at the thought, but also feel excitement from the idea of plucking it from between my lids and popping it into my mouth. I would loll it around with tongue and cheek until it is crushed by force of molars like dusty china. Anytime I am inside an airport, bus terminal, train station or coach departure gate, I'm always running, panicking, profusely sweating and carrying some large items. Today is no different as I sit on a train going towards the airport and I am late. I am late, so I squeeze my balls in exchange for the loss of time, just as I did in school examinations as a punishment to myself. When I am feeling nervous, anxious, in the wrong or unsure, I scrape, break and tear the excess flesh off my body. 
I bite and rip my nails off so they become nothing but cartilage stubs, raw white flesh and pulsing blood. I nibble the dirt from beneath my nails, grinding the detritus between my teeth. I use my index finger to scrape the oozing oil, spots and dead skin off my temples by my forehead. I repeatedly sweep aside tendrils of greasy hair, twisting and turning the split ends, feeling the dryness of each strand. I tug at the ponytail, feeling its lanky connection to my scalp as I force the hair back into its place. I pick strands of thick facial hair from open pores and roll them along my tongue. I prod water beads underneath the tender skin by my receding hairline, feeling them pop underneath the pressure. I empty the cavities of my nose using gangly fingers to prick and explore them. In the end, all will enter my mouth as I swallow myself, producing a neutral but dead taste. I cough the mucus from the back of my throat and hawk it into my mouth, biting its sinewy membrane and pushing it through the gaps of my teeth. I do the same with my own sperm, but unlike my phlegm, my fangs cradle and pierce the fetuses of my future children. Mucus must leave my throat to prevent further contamination, but all else will be induced. Like an animal, I sense, play and savour the bodily products with my teeth, gums and mouth. I continue to pluck the thick, carved threads of nose hair from the opening of my nostrils and feel the consequences as I begin to tear up on the train, besides strangers. I don't care if they see me lick myself. The soft contours of my face are scraped like clay, being remoulded as I carve my features and cut the excess. When considering a personal manifesto, health is a topic that comes to my mind. This lies in upholding a continuous level of your own body. The state of your health is equal to the state of your happiness, and this can be controlled. I eat well to feel well, not to look well. Health is for feeling, not appearance. My health means a rejection of excessive chemicals, additives, sugars and ready-made food. I consider the pattern of exercise, sleep, alcohol and drug intake as an effect on my health and happiness, so I am conscious of its balance. As a subcategory of health, I consider dependence and independence, so I've made some points of what I wish not to depend upon, as I desire greater autonomy in creating a self. Number 1. Body and Hair I consider these so my body will not depend on me continuously cleaning it with various products. Initially, I washed my body three to four times a week, my face every once or two days, my teeth once or twice a day, and my hair once a week, if feeling positive. Five to six days if a critical social situation demanded it. However, after some training and adjustment, I have compacted the washing of my body, hair, and shaving of my face to a resounding once a week. I still brush my teeth once or twice a day and my face every three to four days, but I've gained some considerable time with these sacrifices. Number two, medicines and sickness. If sick, take three initial measures. Drink more water, get some fresh air, and take more rest. If this doesn't help, research natural or homemade ways of dealing with the symptoms. For example, if it's a cold or flu, increase your ginger, garlic, lemon, and chili consumption. Only take medicine if recommended by a professional, having an allergic reaction, or in extreme situations. Well, that's all for now. 
I'd like to thank Franek and Macon for speaking to each other so I didn't have to. Check out their articles and all the other ones concerning leisure at arcbooks.dk slash arc review. And thanks to Oscar for his wonderful story. Keep an eye on him and his work. You know how to Google. You should also drop by the store on Mellegaia 10, the heart of Copenhagen's buzzing literary district.